catchers suck, but we're going to talk about 80 of them because we think that there are 80 catchers right now who might be of some minute value to you and dynasty. And because we love you, we're going to pretend like we care about them. All right. That's as excited as I'm going to get. It's time for dingers. This is dingers. Way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Buster Hugs uh, that win you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined again this evening by Robbie Baseball. What's happening, Robbie? You ready for the most electrifying episode in sports entertainment? I'm five Waterloo Darks in, and I don't give an ass about this position. This is the right time to do the dynasty episode on catchers last year, Ty, this was our shortest episode and we were joking that we wanted to make it shorter and shorter. And then when I kind of composed the amendments to the list, because last year we initially kept rookies off of our list because we wanted to keep them separate and we got some, some blowback from the listeners and because we enjoy you listeners and we want you to get the most out of your dynasty baseball experience with us. We've added every prospect this year. The list is at 80 and I'm crushed. I'm crushed. Oh, you know what? You know what helps with that, Robbie? We're finally going to get our drinks out. Chicka, chicka, yeah. Yeah. Time to crack number six. <laughs> Let's get into it. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice. I can hear milk, your chips. That was stupid. <laughs> Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon because good advice only comes in a bottle. See, I don't even have to. <laughs> that, that was so weak. That, one was, that was so bad. I still haven't even popped mine, but there's just no point. Because listen, everybody, listen. Did that was actually that? pretty good. No, that was actually pretty oh, good. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. That was your best one in weeks. Whew, thank you, Waterloo Dark. It just doesn't <laughs> have that carbonation, but it does the job if you know what I'm saying. Uh-oh. There's only a little bit left in the bottle. You know what that means? <sighs> Quick episode? No, nope, nothing <laughs> left in the bottle. <laughs> Are you still doing your drinks with uh, the big ice sphere you were doing that for a little while yeah it makes you automatically smarter okay just by doing big blocks of ice like in, in your your whatever drink you're drinking if you have one solid brick as opposed to multiple i mean so because it's winter and we're here in canada you just chip a little off your igloo and then pop her <laughs> in funny enough wasn't it like 10 degrees this week yeah we had a couple warm days because i was doing some fiberglass work on boats and uh yeah uh, i had some warm weather I love using 10 degrees as a reference point because every American is just 
what? took a, like a lean back in their seat going, oh my God, that sounds cold. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> my sister's in Florida and I said something to her the other day about how, you know, we were outside, you know, went for a walk and went down by the river and like my kid and I are building a little fort on this um, cattle pasture that the cattle are all in the barn now for the winter. So we're just playing out there and, and she's like, what was it? I mean, she grew up in Canada with me. And she's like, what was it? And I, I said to her something, you know, like, oh, I don't know. It's like, you know, two under, or two over, whatever it was. It was a decent day to be outside. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's like sometimes it's sweater weather here. And it's like, you know, 60 degrees. And I'm like, oh, you yeah, like, have it so any, rough in Orlando. Anybody <laughs> like south of Nashville, if you mention like freezing, their head just blows up. Like, <laughs> like they just their mind can't handle that level of cold. Which, which is actually great when you're talking about catchers because you need to get used to a high level of cold with your catchers because they provide you the least amount of fantasy value in a single catcher format. Now, you can get into double and redraft and NFPC, which we do cover in season. We do the Sunday night live stream. So if you're wondering why the hate is so high on the catchers, a lot of that has to do with the fact that in a single catcher league, you can find value within that position several different ways. If you're in a five outfielder league, it's a lot harder to find value on the waiver wire with your outfielders. But if you have one catcher in a 20, 24, 30 man league, you can even find waiver wire gems in a single season. So that brings us back to the point here for us tonight, Ty. We're diving in. And that is the new thing for us this year, for everybody who just caught on now, that we are adding to the list this year every prospect that we believe could put in somewhere around 20% of a season within the next five years. Sorry, 20% of value in the next five years, which means one season. So that means the old guys on their way out, um, which just to start off the first name we'll say is Jonathan Lucroy. Jonathan Lucroy may play one season, which might be next year, maybe. So he's on the list. He's number 79 and 80. The guy that is the furthest away for us is Austin Wells, who was the Yankees first round draft pick this past season. So that's a good way for us to get started on this, right? Austin Wells was pimping it in the draft. He looked slick. However, the Yankees have some options at catcher that are ahead of him, as well as, you know, what's going on with, you know, Gary Sanchez, as we'll get to him higher up and stuff. But that's the peripheral so that you get the idea of what's going on here. Because it's not all about the immediate 2021 and beyond impact. Of course, there are those guys who will be major league catchers the next five years. But what we're basing this on is the next five years in value that they can give to you. So at the edge of this list here, you've got some guys who might kick around for five years, not doing a whole lot. Or you've got a player or two who might start to become impact players. But that's going to be closer to 2024. 2025. So they're at the back end of the list. And as well, Ty, we do eight categories. We are counting your runs, your RBIs, your stolen bases, your strikeouts, your walks, your average, your OPS, and Ooh. son of a gun, I am missing the eighth one. I did this last I think I said stolen bases. Uh, there's, there's another one that's important, guys. Let's there's just... another one. Yeah. Look, um, I've and, cracked and, and, six beers and I am doing my best. <laughs> and there's obviously bonus marks for the vanity metrics. Uh. 
Don't you know it? Unfortunately, zero catchers have swag. <laughs> zero. Austin, I mean, z- like Austin a hard Wells, zero. who I already mentioned, yeah. <laughs> leads the pack in swagger. Yeah, and he was the last guy on the list. And it's just because he's got dope suits. That's it. That's all. He, that's all he brings. And as far as we know, it's just the one that we saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's eighty. Seventy-nine is Lucroy. Seventy-eight. We've got uh, Ronier Quintero with the Cubbies. Now there is another Cubby who I think is further back. Who uh, we just don't know what the fantasy fantasy relevance is going to be. But this guy here is eighteen years old. Um, not a whole lot to say on him yet. We need to see it. The biggest issue we've had is that with that lost minor league season, we're going off of a lot of assumptions, scouting reports, fall league things. And believe me, guys, we are scouring this. So if you have reports or video, hit us up at Dinger's Pod with some prospects that you think we need to have an eye out for. Uh, hit up Ty at Turney Boss. Make sure you've got the link to the video or an article or something so we can do the dive for you. Uh, or myself at Robbie Baseball One. We don't want to forget names. We know there will be guys who come out of nowhere. That's how Mitch Garver appears on lists, right? Yeah. He comes out of nowhere. But we are looking at the Fangraphs baseball reference depth charts. We're checking out MLB.com. Obviously, we are baseball fans and fantasy owners. We know who the guys are that are up and coming, but there are guys that are J2 class that are late signees, um, international players, guys that can come out of nowhere, like we said. So, uh, well, there's, the, the Cubbies have three catchers that are set to arrive between 21 and 24. And, okay. and what are the other names, if you don't mind? Uh, well, we're going to cover uh, one of them uh, later on. So I'll leave that one. The other one is Ethan Hearn, who's okay, just 20. Hearn. Yeah, there's yeah. another one that's way more obvious. That's ranked 59 on our list. So okay. we'll leave that one for a little bit later. Okay, so we'll move up now. We've got Austin Allen with Oakland. Uh, Kurt Caselli with Cincinnati. Stephen Vogt, who's a free agent now, but was with Arizona at 75. And then we hit Drew Romo, a prospect within the Colorado Rockies. Now, Romo was drafted, I believe, this year and is 19 years old. So um, we've talked about it before. Colorado players, you're a big bat. You've got some prospect hype. We are doing our best at Dingers to tone that down a bit. We want you to get the right baseball players. Just, just talk to Ty about Garrett Hampson. Um, Colorado's not always doing the best thing they can with their prospects. So we don't want to get too high on a Drew Romo, but we want to have him on the board for you. Right above him, Shane Langoliers, 23-year-old with Atlanta. One of the issues with Langoliers is going to be the fact that there are others above him um, that's going to slow his progress. Doesn't mean he's not going to still become a big leaguer and an effective catcher. It's just going to slow the progress a little bit. He's probably not going to be a starter, right? That's the reality. Like he might give you at bats, but it's probably going to come from the backup position. There you go. At 72, we've got Dustin Garneau with Houston. 71, Dom Nunez with Colorado. 70, Kevin Plasecki with the Red Sox. And then we hit our next prospect, which is MJ Melendez with Kansas City, the 22-year-old. We got Sal Perez obviously blocking him. I don't remember if Melendez played at all last year. Off the top of my head, I think he was not because we don't have him rated. Um, I think they had a rule five pick or something like that. That was last year was weird. Or Sorry, 19 is what I was thinking. 19 was the weird year with Kansas City because they were trying to figure out what to do without Sal. And then um, I think that they had Maldonado, who they end up trading to Houston and whatever. So uh, Melendez may have been hyped more then. And this is more of a natural spot for a guy. He's still, like he's still their 15th ranked prospect in a, in a pretty decent system. Like it's not an elite uh, minor league system, but the one thing you have to keep in mind with catchers is very rarely 
it, are they ranked where they belong, right? Elite catchers are overhyped. Um, late blooming catchers don't get ranked. So you have to try to balance that out in terms of when they're arriving. And Ty, this just, we're just getting into this, right? Like we're only at guy number 69 right now, just off the hop for you. Do you take any special interest in catchers in dynasty leagues? Like, do you own in, um, like in a deeper dynasty, do you own multiple catchers that are prospects? Do you like, I accidentally found myself owning six in one league where I had a 50 man minor. And I remember saying to you, like, I don't even know how the hell this happened, but I don't want them. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I was picking guys that were really low a, that were catchers that are likely to move off the position, but they were stealing bases or they had crazy high averages at short season, you know, frontier league, things like that. And I was like, Oh my God, what, what did I do? And I needed to think like, okay, am I making the best play for me as a dynasty owner when I'm digging through these low level leagues and looking for guys with high signing bonuses? Like, is this actually helping me or am I just burying myself? And I realized, you know, two years away from that, I was just burying myself. It's not worth it to me to have more than maybe two catchers. Like you, you pick the ones you think are going to make it. And at the same time, you hope you've got somebody decent at the MLB level. But what, what is it that you do? I, I almost always try to have a catcher that doesn't kill me. Like that's, that's the idea. I'm looking for guys like Yachty is a great example. Like Yachty has been a guy that I've owned in almost every format for years because he gives me mediocre um, outcome. I know he's going to play. We talk about defense, putting value into, into the offensive side all the time. And at the catcher position that comes through playing time. And so I look at a lot of guys that fall in that 10 to 15 rank fantasy value wise and Yachty almost always finds himself there like he might have two seasons in his entire career where he was below that rank so that's that's kind of the guy I generally try to target but it's it's around playing time like can I get a guy that's going to play a lot and give me average outcome um from a development perspective it it's we talk about it in draft strategies like very rarely do the valuable catchers make it to a position where I'm wanting to draft them they're almost always drafted too early. I would way rather spend on other positions that are harder to find elite players. Yeah, something that I think I mentioned last year, and if not, I mean, I, I did this a year ago, but I, I had mentioned to Ty before we started recording was that I think the third, fourth, or fifth, and I apologize for not having the information in front of me. Again, I have I have opened six bottles. I'm, I'm looking now to open the seventh one. Um, but the fifth or sixth, I think it was, or sorry, fourth or fifth catcher in points last year in the CBS league that I'm in as 2014 league um, was, was right around where the 60th ranked outfielder was in point production. So it's a lot easier to put your player values and things like that, your prospect capital into all other positions outside of catchers, and then just pick up something off the waiver wire, pick up, you know, something somewhere random, than it is to really invest. Cause if you are a Shane Langoliers owner, cause he was a first round pick last year, you might be really disappointed in three years. When, as Ty said, he's not, excuse me, he's not starting. He's not impacting your lineup, but you were like, Oh wow. He was drafted high by the Braves. So boom, I'm drafting him high. You have to remember what you're doing when you're picking catchers. You have to know you're either all in because you feel like that's the way that you can get ahead which once upon a time I felt, you know, as a former Gary Sanchez owner, I felt that was the way to go. But then understanding how the ebb and flow works with catchers, I now have a different approach. And my approach is 
look for guys on the waiver wire, look for a post hype type prospect. Don't look for the guy that everybody's got a target for because they're going to cost you too much and you can spend that money getting a deeper team elsewhere. So yeah. anyway, uh, moving, moving forward, we've got Kinsler with Washington at 68, uh, Dylan Dingler to draft, or sorry, drafted to Detroit this year, the 22 year old. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Detroit puts him this year. If they're aggressive with the assignment, we're, we're going to talk about in January, how MLB is changing and shortening up their um, bevy of teams that the players have to go to for development. So Dingler is going to be an interesting case as a college catcher to go through uh, Anthony Siegler with the Yankees 66th rank on our list. Then we get into Chad Wallach who with Miami, I thought had a better shot, but um, injuries and performance when healthy have knocked him back 13 and a half points. He's at 65. Grayson Grenier with Detroit at 64. Jason Castro with the Angels, but I think he's now a free agent. Spent last year with the Angels, 63. Austin Hedges, my goodness, poor Austin Hedges. with Now with Cleveland, um, Hedges has taken a dive. Never, never a good offensive catcher. However, um, Cleveland is his home right now, I think for just this year, and then he might be a free agent. Then we hit 61. We finally get into a somewhat hyped guy, Ty, and Diego Cartilla, the 19-year-old Dodger prospect. Between him and there's there's one other Dodger prospect. Um, the fun thing with the Dodgers, though, Ty, is they've got legitimately three valuable catchers, two of them prospects, one of them doing at the MLB level. Uh, if you're a Cartilla owner, are you thinking make a deal now? Cause it looks like they've got a guy He's um, shaking his head. I, I guess it depends where you have them in your roster or where your roster's at. I mean, if you've got no catchers, I, I don't know that holding on to Cartilla is the worst right. thing you could do as a fantasy owner. Um, I mean, he's their fifth ranked prospect problem is there's a catcher at two and there's a catcher that was formerly the number one, number two guy, before that at the major league level. And he's just what 24. Um, so, you know, like the reality is like Cartier could very well be the best of the three, but I think it's probably safe to say uh, him or Kyber are probably gone. I think Kyber is the more likely one to get traded. Um, and we'll touch on that a little bit later, but yeah, when we get to him, I've got an interesting little note on him. So, Oh, I, I forgot to, so what we're also doing here is we're, highlighting um, all of the prospects so that we make note of them. So we'll discuss or state the name of a vet, but you should already know the story behind the veteran. We're just going to discuss the prospects. So next up is Roberto Hernandez with Tampa Bay. Uh, I think he's got an outside outside shot at getting some solid playing time with Tampa Bay this year. It would be really interesting to me if that playing time came earlier in the year. And if Tampa Bay is not signing free agents, that certainly could be the case. Uh, we talked about it in a previous episode more in depth, so I think we can kind of bypass that for now. This is the guy here, Ty, at 59, Miguel Amaya, that I was really interested in, the Cubby prospect, 21-year-old. He has been labeled as a future team leader, which to me says exactly what you talked about with Yachty Molina, um, the type of guy that as long as he can perform a little bit at the dish, he should be a contributor for years to come. Now, he's 21 right now. And we know we've got a really good catcher in, in the Cubbies organization right now, who's ahead of him. Um, so he might take a little bit of time to get there, but I, I really like Amaya. What are your thoughts on him? Um, I don't know if, enough about him yet to put a long-term stamp on him, 
Um, but I will say that I, I think highly of him based on what I have seen, mm-hmm. but, I, but I'm, again, he's a catcher unless I drafted him, uh, as an international guy, I'm not touching him at this stage. It's just too early for me to spend prospect capital on a catcher. If I'm getting him as a throw in, I mean, he certainly has the upside. I, I think very likely that the Cubs are going to trade Wilson Contreras at some point as they dismantle the core here. Um, I, I just think they have enough at the position. They've got another catcher who we're going to touch on a little bit later. Uh, that's more than capable of handling the daily duties. Not going to provide the offensive upside, but is certainly capable of, of being a major league player. So I, I don't see why the Cubbies would hold on to the value they could get for Contreras at this point, because they just don't have enough anywhere else. Um, I, I, I think Amaya is going to be the guy they build towards in a three-year window. I, I think the only downside to Amaya right now is that he's still a couple years away and he's already yeah. 21. That's the Re- yeah. one thing that scares me. It, this is a really good point. Realistically, yeah, it should be a 2022 late in the season arrival. But at the same time, the Cubs might be going through this really weird transformation where, I mean, it's not it's not realistic to think that like, you know, Brizzo is going to get Dell, right. That they're going to move both of those guys that they're going to um, you know, that Baez is going to be gone. Like I can't see the Cubs doing the full on blow up because that they should already know that the full on blow up means you have a cycle of three to four years of just bottoming out, which if they're already starting to tail down, it's going to be an awful hard road to come back from but their minor league system is not built up very well either. So there's something to be said for a guy like Amaya coming in and learning with a rotation that could be the, you know, Tanner Roarchy type guys, right? Like the guys that just come in and throw innings while you've drafted and are trying to develop other guys. Cause when you look at the Cubbies starting pitchers and it's when we get into that, Oh my gosh, the team by team breakdown, the Cubbies are rough for prospects. Like it's not promising. So it makes some sense that if they were to do a um, an evolutionary blow up <laughs> uh, that Amaya might be one of the guys who has to stick around through it, but that's not, that's not coming up soon, but in order for that to happen, like you said, Contreras has to go. So anyway, uh, 58, we've got Austin Romine with the Yankees, you know, gets at bats at, at times. Uh, then we've got a prospect with the Mets in Francisco Alvarez, Alvarez, sorry, 19 uh, year old. There is some hype behind him in certain circles, you know, really good framer, uh, might be able to, you know, be a heavy hitter, but at the same time, it's a 19 year old. Let's keep things in mind. So do you have any notes on Alvarez Ty? No, not really. I, again, I, it, I'm going to have a lot of these unanswered questions at this point, because these like, and this is something I would encourage you not to waste your time on because catchers are too far away. Like it's a, it's a lottery ticket and they have to do two things really well. They have to hit and they have to be good defensively because it's the one position shortstops close center fields close, but it is the one position that if you cannot play the defensive side, there's a 0% chance you're playing major league baseball right at that position. So until they get moved off that position, I'm, I'm off of guys that are 19 in most cases, like Robbie, have you ever seen me take an international catcher in a draft ever? I, so for all the listeners, Ty loves the international guys. He does a good job of seeking out talent in teenagers. One of the things that I really like to do is look at signing bonuses and then decide whether I like a guy or not when they're international guys. 
Ty likes to look at how the players play. I can't say I have heard you ever reference a catcher outside of one guy who we both like. And that I think has a lot to do with the situation and the team he's in, but I don't know that you own any teenage catchers. No. And I, and I never will. Right. It's just too early. There's like, it's an odds thing, right? The odds of a 17 year old catcher turning into a major, major leaguer are the lowest of any of the other positions. And there's so much that can happen to a catcher position change. He like, look at, um, uh, what's his face in, uh, LA. He started as a catcher. Now he's the closer, right? Like that's, that's, uh, Kenley Jansen, right? Like he was, oh, I thought you meant at- LeBron. Cause, cause yeah. I know he can do everything. Yeah. <laughs> Space yeah. jam. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I'm actually excited for that. I love space jam. <laughs> so, so I'm not going to lie to you on that one. Um, but the reality is like, there's just too much vulnerability there for you to rely and waste early picks. Like it really is that simple for me. I'm just saying with a guy like Francisco oh. Alvarez, this guy could be a league MVP, right? It's, it's not really that possible because he's a catcher, but it's, <laughs> we've seen it. Correct. It is that like, I'm not saying don't focus on some of these guys. I'm just saying I won't. That's all. Right. And, and I think the smart play is to use your early picks. If you're in a first year player draft or a minor league draft, use those picks on other positions and come back to catcher because there's always going to be guys that fall through the cracks that can provide you value. And if they don't, you also have the waiver wire to go off of. And realistically, all you need to do, depending on your leagues, that if you are in a keep forever league, you need to find one guy that's at the major league level and they can easily last you for five seasons. And within five seasons, if you can't find one other guy that can allow you to bridge the gap to continue on through, then you are, you are welcome to continue listening because we will find those guys for you. Austin Nola is a guy that came out of nowhere last year. That is now an everyday type catcher in San Diego. We don't know how long that's going to last. Ty's been talking about James McCann for a year and a half. As soon as he got out of Detroit, he had more interest in him, but he knew him as a Tiger starting catcher that just couldn't make it click offensively. He goes to the White Sox, catches a little bit less. All of a sudden, he's a better hitter. And then you go into 2020, same thing happens. Okay, James McCann's now got a four-year contract with the Mets. Well, this and, this is how it can happen. And these are little things too. Like what? Remember what I sent you the other night, Robbie, about James McCann and his home run totals? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it could have been since, even better. So since the start of 2019, he would have hit 20 more home runs playing in Houston. Houston. Yeah. That was the park. So, and that's oh, without knowing what pitch is coming. Correct. Just the ballpark. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So if this was 16 and 18, probably have been 40 more home runs. Oh, oh baby. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, okay, the re- so go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, the reality is like, just be careful with how much you spend on catchers. That's the takeaway. Right. So, cause I'm sure people are saying, what do you mean? How's he the 57th ranked catcher? And then Kurt Suzuki at 56. How is Kurt Suzuki ahead of Francisco Alvarez? Well, it's reality versus fantasy, right? We're using the reality of what occurs in baseball to dictate what we think is going to occur in the future for us. Fantasy owners 55. We've got Cal rally, 24 year old Mariner. I can see Cal rally coming up this year. Cal rally is supposed to be the next starting catcher for the Mariners. He's supposed to be coming up with uh, Logan Gilbert. He's supposed to be coming up with that class of guys, but he's not there yet. He might be there at the end of this year and come up and that would be great, but we're not counting on him coming in 
and mashing this year. So that's why he's way back at 55. Now listen to this, everybody. Yada, 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 yada. Nice. Look at that pop culture reference. Look at this guy go. (laughs) Uh, That's because Instagram plays a whole bunch of TikTok videos and Uh, I've been seeing that. But that anyway, just made my day. I'm not going to lie to you. Thank you. Thank you. I got my hand in the air, everybody. Yachty has dropped back. Yachty Alvarez has dropped back 24 spots to 54 from last year because we're uncertain what's going on. I believe he's a free agent right now. We have him listed with St. Louis, but um, he is a free agent looking to find a home. Obviously, we think he fits back in St. Louis. And then we've got a 53 Buster Posey. Are you seeing what's happening here, guys? The old guard, right? This is a transition in catchers. And then we have a prospect with Minnesota, Ryan Jeffers. Honestly, Ty, the reason he's on this list, I like that we both had him ranked at 49. Um, Jeffers, to me, is exactly like a Mitch Garver type, but I don't think Jeffers is going to get the opportunity. And what I mean by that is he's somebody who's not supposed to be doing much, but could find himself in a position where he's getting major league at-bats. Now, I don't think Jeffers is the guy. I can't remember if he was like a second, third-round pick a couple years ago. Um but it's somewhat irrelevant. I think Jeffers is just second round. Second round. Thank you. Okay. Um, I think Jeffers is somebody who is not going to be a fantasy relevant guy right ahead at 51, Jacob Nottingham with Milwaukee. Somebody I I was had higher hopes for last year. Seems like he's dropped back a little bit. Then Luke Maley now with Pittsburgh, Uh, you know, he's a backup depth catcher and he's on the list for that purpose because he's younger. And I think he can kick around. We don't know if Posey's got a year or two left. We don't know if Molina's got two years left, but we know a guy like Luke Maley could be around the next five years. Um, at 48, we've got Martin Maldonado with Houston coming back, and then we've got newly drafted Patrick Bailey with San Francisco at 47. Now, the issue with Bailey here, we know what's in front of him. We know what he's got to overcome. Um, then we've got uh, Diaz with Colorado at 46. Then we've got rookie Corey Lee with Houston. Sorry, I said rookie prospect Corey Lee with Houston. Ty, you did have a little bit on Corey Lee, so why don't you tell us about him? Yeah, I'm just a huge Corey Lee fan. I think he is one of the more underappreciated catcher bats. If there's a guy that I'm going to go against what I said earlier um, in terms of investing early on a catcher, for me, it's Corey Lee. I think the power is there. I think the ballpark in Houston plays well. Um, I'm, I'm just a fan. So I, I think that's, um, the guy that I'm going to target. Uh, he's got the right distribution, like listen to his 2019, um, spray chart, 36.9% pull 27.8 to center 35 to oppo. Like that is all kinds of balanced hitting. Right. Jeez, and so yeah. for me, like, those are things that I'm going deep on when I'm looking at, like top level guys, like do they have some of these other things that make them a good major league hitter? Like if this was 70% pull, that's not good. Like that's bad. And especially at the major league level, when you have, that means you're, you're all in on a pitch and then you're only putting certain balls in play. Right. So um, this is great to see a kid at that age, have that distribution. So that's what I'm a huge fan. I think the power is going to come with it. I think you're looking at a 280, 25 home run bat in Corey Lee. Interesting. Okay. So I have to circle back here. Ty at 60, I had said um, Roberto Hernandez with Tampa Bay. I meant Herberto Hernandez. Just so for anybody who was a little confused recently came over in the trade um, for uh, Nate Lowe and at 49, it's Reynaldo Hernandez. So I had to slow that down a little bit. I think on the last podcast we recorded, I did mess that up, 
So uh, Ron Aldo Hernandez is the one who should be starting for Tampa Bay this year as an in-house option. So Corey Lee, appreciate your point on that, Ty. 44, Jacob Stallings with Pittsburgh. There was a bit of hype around him last year as a sleeper type guy. It it didn't work out. 43, we've got Zanino, which is funny that we, we both hate Mike Zanino. And he's in at 43 because we're just not sure what's going to happen. Uh, Victor Carantini, backup catcher with the Cubbies at 42. Robinson Chirinos, I think he's a former Texas catcher now. I believe he's a free agent. If not, he's got a year left. Either way. Uh, he dropped back from 30 to 41 for us. Reese's pieces, McGuire, who had himself one rough spring training. Um, and I mean, when you get caught playing with your dinghy, sometimes you sink the boat <laughs> and he is now finding himself at 40. And, and as we both agree, Ty, he is absolutely the third best catcher with the blue Jays right now. The issue is that at the major league level, they have three catchers and on their 40 man, they have five catchers. And unless they make a move, with one of these two catchers, uh, Reese and Jansen, we don't know exactly what's going to go on. One of these guys should not be with the major league club when the season starts. Cause we've got a guy that we like more. Um, but you know who, yeah. like Reese, one thing I'll say about Reese, former is top 100 prospect, just so everybody knows, I think he peaked at 86 on MLB's list. I still think there's some talent here. And, oh, there's and I talent. Think Absolutely. The, the best thing that can happen to Reese is he needs to get traded. I think he's the logical one to get traded. Um, and, and just because he needs a fresh start. And well, if they rename Cleveland the Ballers, how does he not go there? I mean, if you trade him anywhere else, he's getting the shaft. Oh, <laughs> 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 yada, 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 yada. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, so one thing really quick though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for him going to Colorado. That would be so weird because the one place you'd be like, Oh, every catcher gets better there. This actually could help if he was to move there. But I mean, I can't see that happening now. Former top 100 prospect. Also Zach Collins, still a prospect, no longer top 100 on anybody's list. Uh, with the white Sox, he was supposed to be a DH type guy. Once he wasn't going to be the catcher. I think he's got a shot back at being a backup catcher. Uh, but either way, he's ranked at 39 for us. William Astadio, who everybody really liked in 18-19. And then last year was not so good for him. He's in there at 38 for us. And he actually moved up, which is saying something. A guy who had a crappy season, but because others also suck, he moved up. Then we move into 37, Bo Nailer or Noah Nailer. And as Ty and I found out through research, when you punch in one, you get the other. So he's a 20 year old with, with the Indians right now, or sorry, with Cleveland. Um, and we have to know what's going to go on with him and his progression to see how quickly he can come up. Ideally, I think we believed we were going to see him towards the end of 2022. So that's where he is. On, that's why he is where he is on the list. Now, Austin Barnes with the Dodgers at 36 chance Cisco with Baltimore at 35. This is the same. This is one of the reasons why you don't really want to pay too close attention to Fangraph's roster resource page. You want to look at them, of course, because depth charts are important, but they always just, I think by default, start chance Cisco until a score sheet comes in and then Cisco's on the bench. So he's listed right now as the starter for Baltimore, but I'm not making that declaration myself. I think Severino's the better catcher. And obviously we know there's somebody else who's who's coming up who we're going to mention shortly. Uh, Luis Camposano, 34th on the list with San Diego, 22-year-old. Uh, this is somebody Ty and I were talking about before we started recording. 
two years ago, I owned a lot of Camposano and then realized that he was quite a ways away because he was only 20 years old, exactly like Ty said about the international guys. And I dropped him in several formats thinking, you know, where I had limits on how many major leaguers I could have. I was trying something with drafting RPs uh, who had rookie eligibility. I thought that was a good idea. Turns out, you know, mixed results. So uh, anyway, Camposano all of a sudden pops up to top 150 lists everywhere and gets drafted early on I me. Mean, I don't, I don't own him anywhere anymore. And of course, last year he comes up and gets a cup of coffee with the Padres. We didn't really know what to do. You know, I thought oh, maybe he's going to be decent. I think he's going to end up being the backup catcher. And maybe he's got a shot at taking over for Austin Nola if the bubble bursts on Nola. So I've got him at 25. Well, Ty's a little more realistic. Says, you know, I, I don't know that that's all going to happen. He's got him at 40. Is there a specific reason, Ty, why we have that difference? I mean, I've said I, I believe he's got the ability to become a starter. Do you think that's not as, you know, likely to happen? I just think he's a little further away still. Um, it's this for me is playing time okay. more than anything else. Like I think it comes yeah, down and to that's fair. It's totally fair. Yeah, I just think it comes down to whether Austin Noel is going to get out of his way, yeah. and I don't know that that's going to happen immediately. Yeah, and based on what Nola did last year and what San Diego paid for him, I think they believe he's going to be the way. And there's another guy still in San Diego that is ahead of him on the depth chart. So uh, we've got Tony Walters, who I think is a free agent right now, but was with Colorado last year. If the guy's a good catcher, he just needs somewhere to play. Then we've got Tyler Stevenson with Cincinnati. There are two Stevensons. I believe we had this error before where I was tripping over them. So I'm just going to say Tyler Stevenson, Cincinnati. One well, the nice pitcher, part is right? that one, of, but the other one went to Colorado in the Hoffman trade. So we don't have oh, to worry about that. We don't have to worry about right. that anymore. Thank God. Uh, and Hoffman saying the same thing. Thank God he got out of Colorado. So 31, <laughs> we got Jan Gomes. Uh, once upon a time, Jan Gomes signed a sweetheart deal with Cleveland and it worked out really well for him. And fantasy owners that got him had a couple good seasons out of him, but now he's sitting at 31 at 30 Wilson Ramos, how the mighty have fallen uh, Ramos back 10 and a half spots for us from inside the top 20 last year. And Danny Jansen at 29, we didn't uh, drink the Kool-Aid too hard on him. Ty had him at 20. No, you had him at 30. Sorry. You have him at 36 this year. And I have him at 20, which is somewhat me just not sure exactly what's going on with that Toronto catcher situation. But anyway, for us, he ended up at 29. William Contreras, who looks like he'll be starting this year in the minors for Atlanta, but we like William. We think good things of him and we've got him in the back half of the top 30. And then we've got Tom Murphy, who uh, this is, I think our biggest discrepancy early on. I have Tommy Murphy at, at uh, 14. Ty's got him at 37. Ty knows that he's, he's not good against, I think it's lefties uh, or sorry. I think it's righties. He's a lefty masher. And, you know, we knew coming into the year that he wasn't going to be coming into 2020. He wasn't going to be starting um, two thirds of the games. He was supposed to be splitting it up with Nola. He got hurt. Nola took the, took the shine. We saw what happened. But he and the next guy, 26, Omar Narvaez, were the guys splitting time the year before. And um, Narvaez, am I saying Narvaez right, Ty? Yep. No, that's yeah. nailed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Because um, you got it wrong all of last season. So I'm really that's exactly <laughs> why I said it. And now I don't even want to say his name again. But with Milwaukee, um, he really underperformed. But Ty called it. He said, you know, really bad uh, contact, right, Ty? He was weak exit, contact. Exit velo, yeah. Exit velo, yeah. Um, and just 
prone for for that. So now we think we're going to see that kind of level off. And and uh, Narvaez at 26, 25, Roberto Perez with Cleveland, 24. We've got Kyber Ruiz, 22 year old. So this is the highest ranked Dodger prospect. Now, Ty, did you, do you think we kind of covered that before? Or do you want to touch on that a little more? Yeah, I mean, Kybert's the guy that I just I don't know what to do with Kybert because he doesn't fit today. Mm-hmm. He, he probably doesn't fit tomorrow. Like to me, he has to make a leap above the number one in in LA, and I just don't think he's going to do that. I think how this can a, you? Yeah, right? like I like, just I just think this is a trade chip, um, and I think he has to be a trade chip for the Dodgers because they have depth at the position at the upper levels. Like, I just, I don't know why they would hold on to him. Problem is the Dodgers don't need anything. So what are they right. trading Kyber for? So this could be a kid that just gets buried un- unfairly. And that's my biggest concern with Ruiz, because I think if he finds a starting job somewhere else, he's going to be relevant. But I, I have a lot of, I'd probably have him higher if it wasn't for the fact that he's buried in the depth chart. And, and he's absolutely the type of guy who will benefit from double A and triple A baseball, right? He needs the games so that other team scouts can say, you know what? I honestly think he can come in. We could give him blah, blah, blah time. And you could see him at the MLB level, you know, doing this and doing that within a short time frame. Because like you said before, Ty, he's 22. You know, this isn't a teenager. You need him to be moving up right now because catchers, have a clock ticking on them and depending on what happens in MLB with the season length and everything like that, we don't want to be wasting more time. Ruiz has already missed that full year of development where other team scouts can be in looking at the guys Uh, at 23. We've got Tucker Barnhart with Cincinnati. Just, I don't know, whatever, man. Barnhart just kicks around 22 Francisco Mejia. Who's already down gold glove winning Tucker Barnhart. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's not that Barnhart can't play the position. Obviously, he can play the position. It's that he's not helping fantasy owners. And two years ago, it looked like that might not be the case. It might look, sorry, it looked like he might be able to do a little bit more for us. Uh, Yeah, well, we know that's not going to happen. So uh, Francisco Mejia, a former top 10 for us, now sitting at 22. San Diego, the whole landscape changed. We've talked about it a couple times already, so we don't need to get into it. But Mejia down at 22, hoping hoping we can see something come back for him and for all you dynasty owners that have him, Mitch Garver at 21. Yes, this is a big slip. He was uh, ranked somewhere, I think in the top five for us last year, but this is the reality check that 2020 provided. Now I will say it. Ty was correct. I was incorrect. And I believe Ty will be correct in the future. I don't think Mitch Garver is going to magically recoup without making some drastic changes. And if he does, that's great but I don't think it's going to happen at number 20, Ivan Herrera, St. Louis blues, um, 20 years old right now. When he was 18, he ended up playing in the Arizona fall league. He did not excel, but to me, it was a huge deal that St. Louis sent him there and that he got that exposure. And I really started to put him on my radar at that point. So through the 19 season, I was looking to acquire him in certain leagues And then, you know, now everybody's kind of caught up. So now it's a little bit harder to get Ivan Herrera. But if I'm going to have one catcher in my minors, Ty, he's the guy for me. Yeah, I'm not going that far. I I like Herrera. Uh, He's he's the guy that you've talked up enough and I've done enough homework as a result of that, um, that I'm I'm starting to buy in on Ivan Herrera. He he really jumped for me 
he went from 50 to 19 on my board this season. So that's you a actually big... do have him ahead of me. Yeah, I've got yeah. him at 21 right now. This okay. is a big, big jump for me. Um, and it's part of the reason why I'm a little bit more um excited about the catcher position this year because like these guys we've talked about, Naylor, Capisano, Contreras, Ruiz, Herrera, and a couple more we're gonna mention. Like these guys are coming. Like, this is a good step for the catcher position. Like, we haven't had this much talent in a while. Um, and I'm excited for that. So uh there, there's some major league talent here for the first time. And in Herrera, I think it might not be um the elite bat that some of these other guys could be, but I do think he's going to be a Yaddy type that I mentioned earlier, like a nice flat, consistent guy that's going to go in the middle and and he's the type of guy I like to own. So that's why I've ranked him higher. Yeah. Val- value in longevity, which of course in dynasty, that's a great thing to have, right? When you can just pencil the guy in there and then move on, know you're not getting burned. No, you're not getting the worst guy, but you see the ceiling is there. Uh, I think that's a good thing. So Pedro Severino is at that 19 with Baltimore. We know there's another guy up in Baltimore. However, Severino, former Washington national, made a mark last year. I think it's going to stick. I think he's going to be able to use this for a few years. We've seen catchers who look like they were petering out, resurrect their career. You know, Travis Darno is a more notable guy than Severino, but Severino is also on a much worse team. <laughs> so I think Severino might find himself either in Baltimore for a year or two more and then start to do that, you know, journeyman thing where he just kicks around. So I don't mind owning him in dynasty. We get into a little bit of a new one here. Now we've got at 18 Alejandro Kirk, the highest ranked blue Jay. The 22 year old came in last year, surprised us once he was on the 60 man, the Jays suffered a lot of injuries. Something we talked about last year was that we didn't think, or sorry, we thought that if teams could do it all over again, there would be a lot more Wiley vets signed and a lot less of these prospect guys, because some of them ended up playing Alejandro Kirk included in them. Now Kirk did a good job. And right now depth charts has him at, or sorry, roster resource has him at uh DH for the Jays. I think that's because they want to believe <laughs> they want to believe he's going to be up and we hope he is. And uh, Ty, we were talking about a little bit before we started recording. If you were to pick two Jays catchers, who are the two Jays catchers you want on that opening day lineup? Uh, Alejandro Kirk and Pat Borders. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, right. Don't we all? Give me that big old that ugly black or gray uh, chest protector that he had. Um, no, I mean, Kirk's the guy. Jansen's probably the second guy. Uh, there's other guys you could make an argument for, but those are the two guys. Like, Kirk's going to hit. Like, if he doesn't catch every game, they're going to find ways to put that bat in the lineup. The hit tool is unbelievable. Um, if if you can, when you see this guy, if you've never seen him as a human being, he is a a square, right? He's like five, what nine, like two sixty, yeah. like, right? Like think of the love everyone had when they were seeing the highlight reels of William Astadio. That's Alejandro Kirk. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. Uh, but I think he's shorter um as well right but but he his swing is so flat and long it's pretty and it just travels through the zone longer than any bat at the position and the hit tool is gonna be there right he's gonna hit 270 minimum right like he's gonna have seasons where he hits 295 300 maybe and he's gonna pile on 20 to 25 home runs 
So for me, I, I like this guy. I, this doesn't surprise me as much, Robbie. I had him 24 last year. He's up for me way up this year. Yeah, he's in uh, your top 10. Yeah, he's in my top 10 of, of catchers you want to own. I just think this is a can't miss catcher. Um, and there's very few of them. And in defensively, he's not perfect. Very much a Wilson Ramos type. Very serviceable, but not elite defensively. But the hit tool is going to keep him in the lineup for years. And the experience he got last year is is why I'm so excited. I think he might have been a year away if he didn't get in last year. That was a big deal. Yeah, like that certainly moved him up. And I mean, for me, I had him at 53 thinking he was two years away. He got the time last year. I've moved him up to 29. He now sits at the Dingers Big Board at 18. And we're moving on now to James McCann, oh, yeah. 17 for the White Sox. Um, the 30 year, oh, sorry, sorry, I said White Sox, formerly of the White Sox, now is signed with the Mets. Let me just pop that in. That'll sit there for four years now. That Met, um, McCann was ranked for us right around the 30 mark last year, but we believed in him. We thought he had the ability to do well, even though yes, money Grandal was uh moved over to the White Sox. We thought there was the opportunity for him to play. Well, we were right, he did, he did good things, he helped out fantasy owners. Now he's ranked at 17th for us on the Dingers big board. I feel, Ty, like this is probably where he's going to sit the next few years. And he's going to provide top 10 value for you, most likely top 15 value. It's a matter of the acquisition cost. I'm not willing to go deep on him, but I certainly like the guy. Do you feel about the same on him? You don't want to pay for him, really. Especially when you were early, you should own him already. Yeah, um, where I'm at on James McCann is that I'm in sell mode. I think you've got one, maybe two more good years of James McCann. So if yeah. I'm a James McCann owner, which I have been for a couple of years now, um, I'm looking to exit my positions on James McCann at this point. So I'm looking for a good deal. I'm looking to go get Kirk or Herrera or these other guys that have long-term value and move on from McCann. So that's where I'm at. Can I do that? Yes or no. Um, but I'm not holding James McCann beyond two years. The fact that he got a four-year deal amazing, a really good deal for him. He did yeah. a great job, um, and, and he deserves it. He's earned it, frankly. Um, he got crapped on for a couple of years, and he deserves a shot to go out and be the guy. Well, I will also say, look at the track record when he was with Detroit. Of course he's made adjustments, right? Of course he has. He was an everyday catcher with a really bad Detroit team, but then he went and got less at-bats and became better, sorry, less playing time and got better at the dish. He's going to go to the Mets. They're going to give him the ball behind the plate and they're going to put him up all the time. He will get exposed more. So it's a matter of time. Exactly. Like Ty said, I don't mind the idea of cashing in. I still think you're going to get value in the interim, but yeah, over the course of five years, it's better to be a year, sorry, sell him now a year too early than it is to wait and try to sell him a year too late. So up to 16, controversial catcher you know we already were discussing this before we started recording Dalton Varsho who according to Fancraft's baseball reference is the starting center fielder for uh, the Diamondbacks this year but the 24 year old is also catcher eligible so if this turns out to be the truth for him he is not a catcher then yeah we'll absolutely remove him off the list we had him ranked uh, somewhere around the same idea last year uh, I think I moved him up sorry I moved him back one spot uh, from 15 to 16 ties had him at 20 both years. And, you know, maybe he's not on the list for us next year. Travis Darno, 
with Atlanta. Thank goodness Travis Darno is ending up getting himself a good MLB career out of this. Uh, it's a t- been a tough slog for Darno. He's in at 15 with Atlanta now. 14, we've got Jorge, Jorge Alfaro still looking on the upside of our Alfaro. Then we get into Joey Bart with San Francisco at 13. The 24-year-old, we saw a little bit this year. We were shocked to see them because like, it looked like um, San Francisco was signing any catcher and then promoting them before Joey Bart. I, I feel like, Ty, if they could have done it all over again, Joey Bart would have just been there from opening day. You know, they wasted a year of Joey Bart developing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when Posey comes back and Bart and what's all going to go on there. Either way, we think Bart's going to see some significant MLB time over the next five years. And I think primarily at first base. So I would say the one thing, like I think Bart's going to provide fantasy value. That is without a doubt in my mind. But I think you need to have buyer beware that it's probably not going to be at the catcher position. So that's the thing I will throw there because I don't see how major league baseball moves forward with it without a DH in the NL. And when that happens, you remove the reason to have Joey Bart defensively anywhere. Um, He's not the worst defender. He's just a liability. Well, and this is something that I, I thought was so, so silly. And I, I feel silly because I didn't know this, but cat or sorry, pitchers in the minor leagues at any level do not hit. And I did not know that it does make sense when you think that in all the minor leagues, you don't have NL minor leagues and AL minor leagues you have, you've, you've had in the past anyway, mixed teams. So AL NL teams are in the same league, but the pitchers never hit. So you're essentially asking some pitchers who may have hit in high school or may have hit in college to all of a sudden not hit for four years and then they get up to MLB and they are nervous as can be. And they're like, all right, here's the ball kid. And they go and pitch two innings and they're shaken. And they're like, I can't believe I'm in the show. And then, you know, the catcher or whomever is like, now you're going to be up next inning. (laughs) You know, don't forget, you need to, you need to help us win offensively. And I think it's the dumbest thing that that can ever happen. They're not meant to do it. And a guy like Joey Bart can be an impact player on a club for five or six years with the bat, being able to DH first base catcher, whatever it is, that's the kind of guy. And that's one of those guys who I don't, I don't like the idea of pitchers hitting when I think about a Joey Bart, not playing as a result, right? I would rather Joey Bart play or get 500 MLB at bats. than I would see Madison Baumgartner hit eight dingers. Yeah. And that's exactly. And I, and I MLB knows that like watching a pitcher go up and either put the bat on his shoulder bunt, or take a daddy hack that misses the curveball by two feet. Like no one wants to watch that. It's not interesting. The only thing I'm going to miss is the uh, double switch, which I think they need to update the DH rule. That's the one thing I will say. And I think that's what MLB PA will push for is let's get guys off the bench so that you can't bury guys like Matt stairs who were decent players that got buried in benches later in their career because they were great pinch hitters. So I, I want to see guys have the ability to do what Tampa Bay does and cause matchup problems and do all these things, especially with the three batter minimum. Like I don't want them to lose the double switch. So, you know, I think that fits into this conversation is Joy Bart is the prime example of a guy that will benefit from all of these rule changes. So owning him's good, not a bad thing, I don't think, but owning him as a catcher scares me. 
and counting on him, right? Because he yeah. is by prospect standards anywhere. He is a top five catcher. So if you are banking on catcher production from Joey Bart, you should with good reason, be afraid as a dynasty owner sell. If that's your idea at 12, we have Gary Sanchez. Now Ty and I differ greatly on him. I have, I have him at 20 Ty has him at four last year. I had him at two big drop back for me. Big thing is that I've decided that that, um, average is just eroded tie. That's where I'm out on Sanchez. I love the potential on the dingers. I know that follows up RBIs obviously runs, but I'm afraid that that average has just gone for him. And the K's are just going to keep coming. Now you're at four. Tell me, because he ended up at 12 for us. Tell me why he should be a top 10 guy, please. Yeah. I mean, listen, there, there is zero guys outside of Gary Sanchez that can hit 40 home runs at the catcher position, right? Like this is a guy we talked about it um, when discussing Pete Alonzo at the first base position as a guy that could hit 200 home runs over the next five season. Gary yep. Sanchez is the only catcher that has that potential. And it's a stretch even to say Sanchez could do that, but he's the only guy that you have to, like if you were to say, I would bet you that he could do it. He's the only guy that would cause anybody a second of hesitation. And for that reason, as a fantasy catcher, you have to consider what that in, what that means, right? Like you just can't ignore that. It's, it's really that simple. And, and I think <clears throat> that's the thing that you have to take a look at. I certainly will not discredit you for that because I, I absolutely believe that dingers win weeks because that can be with two guys on, and all of a sudden they have a three RBI game, right? They get a run three RBIs and they've hit a dinger and that impacts your fantasy lineup. My fear. And I think what's happened to me personally. So this is more of the fan and the fantasy owner than it is just straight up the fantasy analyst in me. I don't like the idea of Gary Sanchez on my lineup. He costs a lot. If it's a salary league, he's still going to have a high salary. Um, if it's a dynasty league, to trade him now, you are going to lose through your schnoz. So it's not worth it to you. Gary Sanchez just like is a drain on me as a fantasy owner. So I don't want him in redrafts. I don't even look at him. I never put him on my board. I'll just let somebody else take Gary Sanchez. I don't care how, fall, how far he falls. I'm not taking him. But that's how he ended up at 20 for me. That's not the worst fall, right? Like a top 20 guy in a 30-team league, that's a rostered catcher. And as Ty said, the upside he can provide you is absolutely worth exploring. We just have two varying opinions. That's why we do the podcast. If we agreed on everything, we would be much more like everybody else who just wants to pat each other on the back. We want to beat the shenanigans out of each other. And that's why we're doing the podcast. Um, at number 11, we have another prospect in Sam Huff, who I think peaked at double A, but we can see through Texas's eyes, some big things coming, especially after they shipped out their next best prospect to Tampa Bay in Alberto Hernandez. So now it's the Sam Sam Huff show coming to Texas. Hopefully later in 2021, we can see a lot of time for Huff. Um, both of us have him as top 15 guys. He landed at 11 for us. Uh, it's power, right, Ty? It's power, and it came out of nowhere, kind of in 18, and he stuck around. We like ourselves some Sam Huff. I mean, for me at the catcher position, Sam Huff is the biggest mover. Um, he went from being a guy. I'm yeah, good point. Top 15 to. and a half. Yep. Yeah, like this is a big jump for me. Like he's he's up even further for me, though. I went from 37 to 8 
right? Like I went up in a big way because I know he's going to have that job. He has, he has that job to lose and had an 1100 OPS last year in limited at bats. But this is a kid that has, you know, reasonable output across the minor league career. I mean, I don't know that he's necessarily out of nowhere. Like you said, Robbie, well, in 18, sorry, in 18, he came out of nowhere. He had a ton of home runs by the all-star break. And then everyone's like, who is Sam Hoff? I think it was like 18 dingers by midseason. It was yeah. something crazy. Yeah, like he finished 2019 with a crazy amount of home runs. Like, I think he finished. Oh, was it 19 that it happened? Yeah, like, I think in 2019, he hit, like, some ridiculous, like, 28 home runs is what he hit. Out of the catcher position in the minor leagues, like, that's that's legit, right? Like, do you have he, sorry, Ty? Do you have his 18 numbers in front, or or was that absolutely 19? That was the breakout year. Eight, 18 was good, 18 home runs, 55 RBIs. Okay, so it was 18 home runs in 18. There we go. Okay, that's when he got on the map, but yep. 19 he confirmed it all. Okay. 28 home runs out of the catcher in the minor leagues is dope. Like that's oh, yeah. that's like as good as it gets from a bat perspective, right? So I don't think the kids say dope anymore, Ty. I I'm not a kid. <laughs> but so, Bo knows. Yeah. You know, someone someone was telling me today that the kids today are now saying that's extra. Really? Which I like. That sounds I, old. No, apparently that's the new thing. This is coming from Atlanta, which what we do know about Atlanta is the center of pop culture. So um I but, I'm I'm a fan of extra, to be honest. But doesn't saying that's extra sound like something that was said around well, like uh, the time Saved by the Bell came out with those like when you intro? say it like a guy from Northern Ontario, like oh, you just did, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ow, jeez. I mean, you got to throw geez. a little bit of... Uh... <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you mixed in zero swagger, like zero. I, my apologies <laughs> to those who were expecting me to provide a little extra. <laughs> See now that's just did creepy. I not do that? No, right? no, no, that's creepy. You've crossed over into the other category. Oh, son <laughs> of yeah, a beast! Sam Hoff's the guy that I I want to own. He's a guy I'm targeting in several leagues. Um, there's a guy in our league, one of our leagues that owns like all of these top 15 catchers, and he's like, "No, I want to hold on to them." I'm like, what? Why? Why do you need five top 20 catchers? Like, just why? What's like, the game? What, what are you doing? Like, are you happy? that you're burying these guys. Like it makes no sense. Like he wants whatever. to corner the market on the least valuable position in, in fantasy. And if he wants to, I guess he can, right? It's just not smart. That's all. Oh, Don't it's hold. not smart baseball. He do obviously not, doesn't listen to the podcast. Do not listen to or hold more than one elite catcher ever. Just don't do it. Right. So fair. In a league right now, Ty, I own both Austin Nola, who we're going to mention shortly, as well as James McCann. And I do not want to start week one with both of those guys because I know the value on them can only go down in my mind. They've both had good seasons. I really like Nola, but he's 31 and, and McCann's 30. McCann's got a four-year deal. Nola has that um, rookie. I forget exactly what it is, but he's, I think he's got three more years of control. So he's going to be cheap, but I, I want to make sure I'm maximizing the value. So I do not want to go in, and that's two top 17 catchers for us on the big board. I don't want to go into a season with with two top 30 guys. It's not going to benefit me. And Nola doesn't have multi-position eligibility, which was the whole draw to him originally for me. I thought he was a serviceable catcher. 
with multiple position eligibility, you can move around the diamond. McCann, obviously, catcher straight up. So anyway, not a good idea. Let's move to number 10 into this into the top 10. Carson Kelly, 26-year-old Arizona Diamondback, did not have a good year. We're thinking a bounce back is in order. Uh, I moved him from eight to nine. Ty moved him from 18 to 13. I'm sure that had more to do with the fact that the bounty of catcher aged. So guys moved out and Kelly just moved up more so than it did performance-based. At nine, we have our final prospect on the list. Yes, folks, Adley Rushman with zero MLB time is a top 10 dynasty catcher. If you were wondering where he was going to fall, here he is at number nine for us. Now, last year, he was ranked in the teens for us. And this year he falls in. Now, neither of us had him in the, our own top 10, but just through you know how our rankings work and we compile them together, uh, he ended up at number nine for us. Now, Adley did not get stats last year. We didn't get to see anything, but we know how good he's supposed to be. Ty, you've spoken before about the fact that he might move off the position. I have read a little bit and I have had a small scouting report that is very on the down low that has said things similar. And to me, this could potentially affect somebody like Ryan Mountcastle long-term, who is a viable outfielder in left field, but Adley might not be a catcher long-term. doesn't matter right now, but Ty was the one who initially planted the seed. Um, at nine, do you like Adley Rushman, Ty? Where are you on that? I like Adley Rushman and drumroll please at third base. That's where I see Adley Rushman playing. Um, the Orioles have a need at third base. And if you pay close enough attention, which you know that I do, to conspiracy tinfoil setups, magically the infield in Baltimore got clear. Hmm. Funny how that works. Exactly. Uh, I feel very strongly about Adley Rushman as a third baseman. The arm will play. Playing third base, if you can catch – you can play third base. It's that simple. Third base is a reaction time position. And if you can catch that position, you're capable of because Rushman is young enough that he's and he's he's got a frame that could play that position. I think it's an obvious fit to me. You usually see catchers go to the outfield. Um, but I think this is a third base scenario. I believe, Ty, the quote is uh, first base is easy. Tell them, Wash. But <laughs> but you subbed in third base. So either way, we're good there. Uh, number eight, we've got the previously mentioned Austin Nola uh, at the San Diego Padres. 31-year-old will enter the season, finish up 2025 as a 35-year-old. So he's, he's ranked high right now. I had him at 19 last year. I moved him up. He's inside the top 10. For Ty, he's just outside the top 10. Obviously, it just all happened for him, right? It all came together. It was a good thing. Seattle made a good trade. And here he is on a very competitive teams uh, or sorry, on a very competitive team. As long as he's getting on base runs should be there for him. RBI opportunities should be a plenty. If he's batting in the second half of that lineup, you know, five, six, seven. And as long as he's starting, right. If they have the DH, I think that could help him too, depending on what San Diego does with depth. I just think Austin Ola is a really good fit with that team. And he's going to have a couple of years. He's going to be the easiest guy, Ty, to replace with Camposano if he's a starter. Because it's not like Nola's going to be like, hey, this is my position, right? Nola's 31. He's got a year and change of MLB experience. So he's going to be, I believe, he's going to be a great teammate. He's going to be able to share experiences with everybody. And he should be able to stick around MLB for at least that five-year period that we've got. And that's why he's inside the top 10 for us. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, Noel is going to fit into the same category as James McCann did. And I think he's got slightly more upside based on the roster he's on. Yeah. I think there's going to be a little more value to what he gets output-wise. So I think the window is still the same, though. Like, I don't want to own too many catchers beyond the age of 33, 34, right? Like, Yadi Molina is a freak of nature. There's very few guys that fit into that category of production. Um, but I... Odds are, like, if you're if you're a long-term Austin Nola owner because you've listened to Rob and you're a smart people, then you need to be selling Austin Nola at some stage here because you're just going to miss out on the train uh, to benefit from the cheap acquisition you benefit from. And that's when you see, need to send Rob a Christmas present because <laughs> he probably won you some money with that trade. Um, I, I can't trade for Austin Nola because most of the leagues I'm in, I'm in with Rob. And I therefore, I, yeah, I can't I acquire got. Austin. No. And yeah. and if you approach him, the trade value is insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, but realistically, I think trade value on Austin Ola is related to your own roster. So if you do happen to have him, depending on your own catcher situation, maybe 2021 is not the year to sell him. This could very easily be his best season because of the lineup that's around him. And then after the season could absolutely be the time to well, go ahead and sell us. And, and that's exactly what we said with James McCain, right? Like you have one, maybe two years. Mm. Austin Nola might have that third year. Maybe I think there's a crystal ball required to make that prediction, but, I, but I'm with you. I think you could get a lot out of this year. So I actually had this queued up and I was going to say, once he gets going or <laughs> once he gets streaking, then you're going to want to trade him. Right. So that was where I was leading in. I had that ready to go. Um, and, and that's how I feel about Arsenal. Like value is here. No questions. If you already got them, just keep an open mind. Yeah. Uh, next guy, seven Christian Vasquez with Boston, 30 year old um, Boston's in transition. Vasquez has just been good. So maybe he'll just stay being good. <laughs> right. Like uh, the, <laughs> that's I'm what not, he is. I'm not going to lie. Like as a, a baseball player fan, purist, whatever you want to call me. Kristen Vasquez is my favorite catcher. Really? He's, he's gritty. He's tough. He has good at bats. And the thing that I love about baseball players more than anything else is right-handed hitters that drive it to the right center gap. And nobody at the catcher position does it better than Christian Vasquez. And, and he's become a good hitter. <clears throat> Like he went from being a guy that was defense first, like, and he's a good defender too, to being a guy yeah. that is a very respectable bat. Like I'm it, actually a little the power proud of, just arrived, right? Yep. Like it was 18, 19, all of a sudden, boom, Vasquez is power bat. All right. Well, all right. Cool. And I'm actually really proud of you that you have him higher than me. Um, because it's I'm, weird how that happens sometimes, right? Yeah. Like I'm a Vasquez guy and you got him ahead of me and, and I'm proud. Five really spots proud. ahead. Okay, so at number six, we've got Sal Perez, 30-year-old with uh, Casey, obviously came back from, excuse me, missing all of 19, uh, had, as far as I'm concerned, one heck of a great 37% season, um, and things should continue forward, right? The, the nice thing, if Casey locks Sal up, which why wouldn't they, um, Sal's going to get to go through a whole new generation of elite pitchers that Kansas City can bring up, and the best thing that Kansas City Kansas City can do is lock him up for that 
and it, you as a dynasty owner should lock him up for that same reason. Now, I I said previously that I I feel like he's going to have a big dip. His K to walk ratio is out of whack. But when you look at the big board, you know, time has time has healed some wounds for me. And I think this is going to be released between Christmas and New Year's as well, Ty. So the holiday season is upon us. And I feel uh, hashtag blessed. I also, for some reason, used air quotes. <laughs> I'm not sure why that Perez is in our lives. So he was forgotten about in 19. Hopefully you were able to get him then, but I've got him as my 10th ranked catcher. I think Sal Perez is going to kick around and provide decent fantasy value for the next five seasons. Mm -hmm. And when he's not doing that anymore, you've had enough time to go and get somebody else that it's not going to hurt you. And if for some reason, my initial thought where his K to walk ratio being out of whack and all of a sudden his average is going to drop big time and he's no longer going to be a valuable catcher. He's still going to be playing because of how good he is with his glove with Kansas city. He can probably work himself out of it. Yeah. Sal can hit. And I think we've talked about Yaddy a lot tonight. Um, I think Sal is the replacement for the guy that you can just take to the bank as a top 15 catcher period. Right. Like he, I without, agree with you know, that. Like he's just that guy. He could be as high as three. He could be as low as 16, 15, 14. Odds are that's going to be an injury plague season. A healthy season, he's for sure a top 10, probably a top seven catcher minimum. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. So that moves us into the top five here, everybody. And at number five, we've got Sean Murphy with Oakland, the 26 year old. Um, we both had him inside the top 10. And Sean Murphy, it's, it's kind of, it's so weird. It's, it's almost like default, right? We just expect a bit of progression. And if we get that expected progression, Sean Murphy at the top five position or fifth position is a pretty good value for dynasty owners. He's young enough that he should obviously be in the league for far beyond the next five seasons. So he's somebody to lock up. Now, if there's something going on in Oakland, I think he's going to be able to weather that storm unless they bring in some type of a Wilson Ramosy crafty guy to steal at bats. But Oakland's not the kind of team that does that in the off season. Oakland does that in season. So Sean Murphy's going to have to suck some kind of serious. And I honestly don't know, Ty. I don't even know where the next Oakland catcher is on our list. I don't even know if we have to because it's so thin at that position in Oakland. That well, Sean Murphy. Yeah, but their I front office are regular listeners to our podcast. That's why. Well, no, not hey, to bank. Hey, baby, adapt or die. You know, just like Brad Pitt said as Billy Bean, <laughs> adapt or die. So if Sean they, Murphy doesn't hold on, he will adapt and then maybe he'll die. They did bring in <laughs> Soderstrom this year. He was a first rounder. Right. Well, Tyler he's Soderstrom. yeah, I was going to say he's still a, a ways away and we also don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant again. Like we said to everybody else off the hop here, five year dynasty relevancy. You need to be able to be playing for a full season before we're going to put you on the list. So if we don't think Soderstrom's going to be up until 2024, 22 or sorry, till 2025, he's not on the list. And the only other guy in that is Tyler. <clears throat> uh, that is a guy. What that was that? Tyler that must be. I was going to say that must be hard to pronounce. Yeah. Heim H E I M. So this is a guy that uh, these are the guys that I get terrified for is people get super excited about him Cause he jumps into the top 10 on the athletics um, prospect list. So people that aren't paying attention go, Oh sweet. This guy's going to be awesome. He's a top 10 prospect. Well, listen to this. 
I'm going to give you this batting average from the minor leagues to the professional level. Oh, this would be good. Everybody listen. 185, 196, 252, 217, 260, 258. Getting better. Mm. That's a lot of years. (laughs) 310. He makes 310. And Rob, you've heard me say this over and over again. The guys that have quick jumps and get pushed to the major league level always fail. They always fail. And this guy has that resume that he's built up. He's gotten better. He looks like a guy that should make that jump. And I would bet some good money that in a very short period of time, Jonah Heim is a bust. And and hence why he's not on the list. Not in the top That's, 80. Yeah, I, so I think he's going to be a bust. Sean Murphy's job. Uh, welcome to the top five, Mr. Murphy. Now, Murphy, again, last year we had ranked at seven. Uh, both of us at seven, I moved him up to this year. And then that ended up being enough to get him in the top five. So at four, Yasmani Grandal, who I've got to say, Ty, I'm a little bit less sold on him until I know who the, the White Sox backup catcher is going to be, because I genuinely feel like he benefited so much from James McCann being able to be behind the dish to let Grandal DH and, you know, that whole team harmony whatever you want to call it and and grundall's 32 so i think by the time we see the end of five years he'll be far more heavy on the dh side than he's going to be on the catcher side but we know he's a good framer you know we know he's a good catcher and we know the white Sox have a good staff so all of this should lead to good results for grandall behind the dish and that's what we care the most about in fantasy so they they have yermin mercedes who is right there and and he's the guy so the thing that for me takes Grandal over the top is the ballpark and that lineup. Like he's going to see so many good pitches and he's the most polished hitter they have after Jose Abreu. So I, I just think you're going to see him benefit from that. Hitting in that like six hole is a really great spot for Yasmani Grandal. I, I just think sky's the limit. He only hit eight home runs last year and only hit 230. But again, I talk about this all the time. He went from the NL to the AL and he only saw AL central pitching. So he at two thirty, which is a big drop, but I think his career average is only two forty. So if you had expectations of him hitting anything too much higher than that, you just aren't paying attention to what Yasmani Grandal is. Like most of his seasons are two forty. Right. It's, it's the whole package for Grandal. Now I was giving you the shocker symbol because I've got to shock you with this. I think it's going to be Zach Collins. I think Collins is going to be the catcher who is able to do it now. Mercedes. Sure. But Mercedes is a rule five pick from like 17 or something. So whatever, regardless, we like the, the overall performance that Grandal can provide you getting into our top three. Now, everybody number three, this is going to be a bit of a shock for a few of you. So brace yourselves. JT Realmuto free agent right now, former Philly, uh, 30 years old, will be 34 at the end of 2025. Uh, we had him ranked around this, I think, last year is probably where he fell. But Realmuto's got all the all the points that he could put together for himself, but um, there are two guys better, and that's simply why he is where he is. And once we know where he lands, I mean, if he goes to Colorado, I think I'll be changing it. But from what we gather, Colorado isn't going to take anything that isn't a free pick where the contract is paid for for next year. Uh, but at number two, we've got the cubby, the world series champion, Wilson Contreras, the 28 year old. He'll be 33 at the end of 2025. 
Uh, I have him ranked as my top catcher. I like Contreras, but I don't like, I don't look at his stat line and think, oh my God, he's going to be the best guy for five years because he does this or he does that. It's the overall for me. And I don't think he's going to finish as a cubby. I think he's going to get traded. I hope it's to a good team. I mean, we all want to dream for the best location for a guy like Contreras, but I like him overall. Um, so, you know, Ty, we've got Romuto at three. We've got Contreras at two. Do you want to recap those guys? The number one man is your man. So I don't yeah. want to take it away from you. Yeah. I mean, for me, Riamoto is my two. Um, he's your two. Contreras won the tiebreaker um, to be the number two. So I, I think it's fair to say it's almost a tie. Our top three guys all came out at the same average rank, just the right. way it distributed for us. So any of these guys could be your number one. Any of them could be your number three. So keep that in mind. Riamoto, for sure, the veteran of the group, I think he's the safest of the three. Right. I think if you're looking to if you had to pick between one of these top three guys, he is the guy that I'm picking to be safe. And if you're scared, if you're scared of what's going on at catcher, Realmuto's the guy to just rest easy on. Yeah. yeah. And, and that doesn't mean he's going to give you elite numbers because no. he's just the guy that's not going to give you crappy numbers. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, Contreras, I think, is set up for a bounce back. But I don't know because I I'm assuming at his age, Remoto is going to end up on a on a top tier team, in a in a really good scenario, um, and and I th I think there's a couple teams still vying for his services, but I I just think he's going to find himself in a good spot, and I think it'd that's be awesome, why... Ty. Sorry, it'd be awesome if he's signed by the time this airs. So why don't you say like three teams you think he's going to sign with, and then edit it so that you say when he signed with <laughs> so go ahead three teams you think he's going to sign with and go yeah so i actually have a really off the board one to start with that no one is considering is that... it the KB kbo giants no it's not <laughs> it's 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 basically the same thing though uh talent wise uh okay. it's the detroit tigers oh uh, wow yeah and so this is a scenario where they have young pitching coming and the first yeah, thing they you do. do when you have a set of young pitchers coming is you get yourself a veteran catcher and you make it worth his while to put up with the crap. Now you're talking about oh. a storied franchise that has some building blocks. Riyamoto would be a great five, six year deal. And it will probably be the only place he could get a deal of that length. And that's why I think it's, it's okay. a very realistic option. I like uh, that. Yeah, I, I think there's a really strong fit there. Um, I, I think there's a couple really off the board picks. The Yankees are not off the boards, obvious ones. Right. Yankees are Yankees. an obvious one. So is that your uh, second one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Yankees are my second one. Um, and I'm trying to stall long enough to think of my third one. Um, the Cardinals could be that option. But I think the Cardinals, no, he will not. If he signs with the Blue Jays, I'm done with the Blue Jays. Um, oh. We have five catchers on our 40 man. Why the hell are we signing a top end free agent at that position? It's just stupid. For, for the uh, exact reason you just said, because the Jays also happen to have not, not the depth of which the Tigers appear to have, but they have some depth at the prospect pitching position in which a guy like Real Muto could benefit or, or sorry, would be able to help benefit the others from. 
you've got at the far end, you've got the Paradino coming back from Tommy John, and then you've got the Simeon Woods Richardsons. You've also got, um, I mean, a, a ways away, you've got Sem Roberts. So if you are curious at all about the deep dive, Sem Robertson, I think it is Ro- Roberts, whatever Roberson, it is. Roberson, I think. But anyway. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's like a sum at the end. I think it's Sem, Sem, and it, it, he's a Dutchman. But either way, like farther away is that guy. But there, there's a lot of potential that's you know kind of like going to be able to trickle up. You've got a Kloffenstein. You've got what could be with a whole bunch of you know and K type guys who are supposed to be better. But I don't disagree. Do you have? So you said the Cardinals is an out of the box. I was going to say, do you have another one? But the Cardinals would be a really interesting one. Yeah, you know, the if Card- Molina doesn't come back, right? And then Molina could go to Philly, and that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's those are the obvious ones. I I honestly think his his options are a lot more limited after the Mets signed. Oh, definitely. McCann. Like he got really, cheaper because I mean, you look in the AL East, for example. Like, there's not a good landing spot for him there. The AL Central beyond beyond the White Sox, which they're not. I mean, White Sox aren't going to do that. Not no, with Grandall on three years left. Yeah, so like Seattle is a stretch, but there is an option. So I'm gonna I think say, they're thinking Kyle Raleigh and probably not wanting to do it. I, I feel like Depoto must have learned his lesson on big ass contracts. I, and I agree, but but if you're gonna force me into a third pick, that I think I'm That's gonna go one. with Seattle because I just think they're the best fit. Like I I do think there's other options, but I think the same the thing best with the pitchers fit. though, Ty. Right? They they've got they've got the potential pitchers coming up that would benefit from having. Uh, a good receiving catcher like Ramudo. Agreed. Yep. No, okay. I don't, I don't disagree at all. So we've uh, avoided it enough, Ty. Tell us who's the dingers. Number one ranked catcher. It's going to be the fresh pins, Prince of Bel Air, Will Smith. Um, I really wish I had um, the thing with it or something like, I don't even Maybe. know about fresh Prince, like just something that was off Will Smith's soundtrack in West LA born no, and no. raised I, on the I, playground I, is where he spent most of his days. No, I feel like we need the wild, <laughs> wild West theme song uh, well, from the movie because you, you edit this. If yeah. you choose to go to the lengths for the catcher episode, maybe everyone's going to get to enjoy that. I choose not to. sorry everybody but there it is that's 80 catchers we don't need to say a whole lot on will smith we talked about in a previous episode uh more walks than k's guys got good power obviously a world series championship lineup around him and the dodgers are not going to let it fall apart so will smith is 25 years old at the end of 2025 he will be 29 years old so this is a primo catcher uh, I'm just trying to look. Adley Rushman is the next youngest on the list. Rushman at 22. Uh, I think that's right at 22 to start next season and Will Smith at 25. So yeah, you have a couple 24 year olds beyond past that, but yes, that's the next youngest guy. Yeah. So I feel, you know, I, I, it's not like we picked him because of the age. It's the whole package for Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And we have seen previously the Dodgers take a top flight catcher and essentially bury them down. But we don't think that's going to happen with Will Smith. So he's the top dog for us. But regardless, you know what, Ty? I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to go ahead and try to put all my eggs in one basket and sign Will Smith or trade for him. Same thing with Contreras and Romuto and Grandal and Murphy and Perez and Vasquez. And I do own Nola. And that's why. Because I'm not willing to put that dedication, my fantasy capital, into the catcher position. But when we talk about other positions, I will tell you where I will dig in deep. And you can tell me where I'm crazy. 
but the listeners are the ones who get the benefit because we don't agree so that you, the listeners, get the benefit of our discussion and our rankings to make your informed decisions in your fantasy leagues. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's our job here is to help you become and graduate into smart people. Again, make sure you're following Robbie at Robbie baseball one dingers pod or me attorney boss on Twitter and, and hit us with your comments. Like you're probably not going to like some of the things. And, and I've said it in the past. I'll say it again. And you know what I love is that everyone is afraid. Not one person has challenged me on Twitter to a position we've had. Uh, they all DM Robbie and, and play the, <laughs> the soft note because they'll, they want him to make them feel better. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit you with truths and, <laughs> and we're going to get forward. But until next time, it's been Rob and Tyler on Dingers.